Welcome to the Breathe Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and creativity. We interview artists from all walks of life to discover how faith plays a role in their art and expression, hoping to encourage you to live a life of creativity and faith. And now, please welcome your co-hosts, Derek Engoy, Christian Mendoza, and Kevin Horton. Welcome back to the Breathe Faith and Creativity Podcast. It's been a while since I've done a what they call a bonus episode, and so I thought it would be a good time to do one because I've done a couple interviews for this season, but I really haven't dove into a bonus episode. So this bonus episode came about through a few sleepless nights where I was not really sleepless nights, but nights where I woke up early in the morning and was wrestling with something, some sort of anxiety. Many of you have said before, or I've said before, that I've dealt with anxiety a lot, and there was a period of time where anxiety was very prevalent, and I have symptoms like that where they wake me up around 3 or 4 in the morning, and my mind is racing, and it's trying to figure out the answer to something. And I can go through periods of trying to pray, trying to take care of it, trying to do what my counselor would say about different things that I could do, and sometimes to no avail. And there I am up at 4 o'clock in the morning, got a full day of work ahead, and have to be able to get through it and end up tired for the next night and still wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning again. So there's a cycle where that is happening. And a lot of Christians would say, or believers would say, why don't you pray more? You should pray more. You should read the Word more. And those are good things, and that's what I try to do. But a lot of the times, even when I do those things, the anxiety is still there. So often I would be on social media, which I know is one thing they don't want you to do because the apparently the blue light of the cell phone can keep you awake. So even trying to put the cell phone down and go back to sleep. And I was doing all the different types of things to try and trigger sleep. And the more I couldn't trigger sleep, the more I got nervous about sleeping. So there I was stressing over that, plus the other thing that I was worried about. And I'll tell you a little bit about what I was worried about. If you know me very well, I tend to worry about medical things when I go to the doctor. And a little story about me. Since I was three years old, I was very, very consistent at visiting the eye doctor because I had what they call strabismus or a crossed eye when I was three years old. So I got surgery for that. And every year after that, my mom and dad were faithful to take me to an ophthalmologist to have a yearly eye exam. So I got used to doing that. Interesting story is the doctor that I went to when I was little Apparently could never remember my name, so he comes in, and I remember he was a heavy breather, and he would say, good morning, Butch, and you know my name isn't Butch, but he would call me that just to get a reaction out of me to see how I was. I was a little kid, so I remember doing that, and I always remember going into his office, and it was dark, and it had all the old machinery in there, and the one thing I remember is that at that time, back in 1973, calculate my age, they didn't have the digital files that they have now. They had, believe it or not, index cards with the old stamp that had the yellow or purple 
ink to it so they would stamp the date and then the doctor would write and about five years ago I got some of those files together because I was attending or going to see another eye doctor and they wanted to see the files and so that doctor pulled out those notes for me and said you weren't kidding these are all detailed notes that I had to go through and they were on index cards so nowadays you know everything's on a computer back then it was the old-fashioned way of writing it on an index card and dating it and I remember walking into his office one day when I was little and all I could see was these big eyeglasses looking at me was a little thing that they had on the wall just a decoration it's amazing what the things you remember when you were little so anywho I had that surgery done and it's held to this day, which is a great thing. So every year I was faithful about going to the eye doctor, faithful about getting eye exams. And as many of you know, in 2015, I lost my mom first. So then I had to help with my dad and help with family affairs. And then in 2017, the Lord took my dad home in October. So after that point, I did go see the doctor that year, or earlier that year, like in August. So I was still doing my yearly eye exam faithfully, and everything was going great. But for some reason, I I fell off the schedule, and for the last seven years or so, I just never went to the eye doctor. And normally that wouldn't bother me till all of a sudden I was driving at night, and I would notice halos around the street lights and the uh, traffic lights. At first I thought, well, I have an old glasses prescription and that needs to get corrected, which true, those scratches can cause halos. But it started me thinking, well, gee, I haven't had an eye exam in seven years and a lot of things could happen. So me being a negative minded person, I don't know why started mulling over possible ideas of why I'm getting that weird vision. And the minute I started to worry, the symptom got worse. So I'm worrying here and I'm trying to get an appointment. So that was what was causing the stress. Waking up, trying to solve something, trying to solve something. And we all know that it's a simple solution of picking up the phone, calling the doctor and making an appointment simple solution but my mind wanted to take it further and still try and figure things out so while I am stressing over that I got the appointment and I got the appointment with a very well-known and well-renowned ophthalmologist in Long Beach where I live so I was able to get that taken care of but the appointment was two three weeks down the line so I tried to not, quote, worry about it, but as the date got closer, I was thinking, well, see what's going on, and what am I going to do if it's glaucoma? What am I going to do if it's macular degeneration? What am I going to do if it, what am I, what am I, what am I, there goes the anxiety again. So waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning hearing that, what am I, 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 I going to do? As Christians, we all know what we are to do is give all worries to God. And in a perfect world, 
that sounds the best way to do it. But I don't know if you've dealt with free will or anything like that before. Um, um, anxiety does not give up easily. In my life, it doesn't. And I try and encourage other people to release their anxiety. But when it comes to me, it's a little bit more difficult for me because I, I don't know. I'm wired that way, and that's the human condition. So during the times that I'm having the anxiety, I try to employ prayer, and I try to employ shutting the phone off, all the things that they're telling you to do, get rid of that blue light because that's keeping you awake. And I would spend sometimes, it seemed like hours, just staring at the ceiling, talking to God, which is a good thing, but it was a more of a desperate talk of, I need to get rid of this anxiety and not any type of worship or a thing like that, which we should do. And I can imagine God being up in heaven sometimes doing, uh, here comes the prayer of desperation, here comes the prayer of desperation, and he takes care of us as he always does. But we all know it'd be, it would be a much better situation if we just worshiped in the midst of the situation and let him take care of it. So a lot of the times in my devotional reading, I would be trying to search out answers for anxiety. And it got a little tiring doing that because here I am. I'm searching for an answer. I'm not searching to worship and praise. I'm searching for an answer. So I'm still trying to work on it. And one of the nights, I just looked up at the ceiling and yelled out as loud as I could the word, what? Now, in context, I'm not yelling out what because I'm angry. It's just because I just, I finally wanted to give up. And I look at the ceiling and I say, yes, Lord, what? are you trying to tell me? And the word I kept feeling from him was a very direct thing, and it was the sound, shh, which means be quiet. And I'm sitting there, lying there, or however you want to see it, and I'm thinking, wait a second, that sounds so backward so backward. We're supposed to move forward and solve things, but in God's way, I've seen, sometimes he operates backwards to the world standard and says, I don't want you to do anything but one thing. Shh, be quiet. And finally, I got it through my hard head that that meant stop talking. Stop worrying. Just be. Just listen. Just listen to what God wants to tell me. And he waits until I'm done talking because he's somehow a very patient person. And all of a sudden, I just went, okay. And I listened around the room, and I have two alarm clocks, which are the old-fashioned kind that would just do the click, click, and so you hear 
the sounds that you would normally hear at 4 a.m. since you're like the unfortunate person like me up worrying and you hear the click, click, click and then nothing else and how quiet it was. Then all of a sudden in my spirit, I felt him tell me quietly to read Psalm 4. And I, in my studies, in in my looking at Psalm 4, I've noticed that God tends to convey a lot of information to me when I'm quiet, wow, quiet regarding my situation. And I listen to him, and I like the app called Bible Gateway. So I pull that app up on my phone, and I select Audio Bible, and I have it to where I could listen to it. And here's what it said. Answer me when I call to you, O God, who declares me innocent. Free me from my troubles. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people ruin my reputation? How long will you make groundless accusations? How long will you continue your lies? You can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. That hit me. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust in the Lord. I'm going to read that section again. That's verses 4 and 5. And it says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust in the Lord. I could read the rest of the psalm, but there's my answer to my anxiety is quiet, give it to God, let it go, and go back to sleep. So the rest of the psalm says, Many people say, Who will show us better times? Let your face smile on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. In peace I will lie down and sleep. Hmm. For you alone, Lord, will keep me safe. Oftentimes, when I get it out of my hard head to be quiet, then through the Spirit, somehow God will speak to me. And I meditated just on those thoughts, and I thought, well, God wants us to be forthcoming and do the right thing to do. And in this situation, the right thing to do is call and make an appointment with the eye specialist. Go in and get an eye exam. It's not that hard. And it will give you the answers that you are looking for, and maybe they can correct it. That's the way to look at it. And often, in prayer, God answers me somehow through the Psalms. And I like to read the Psalms because they're they're very vocal and dramatic, as you can see. So, I had the appointment. After this, I'm going to move forward in the story a little bit. So I had the appointment, 
And during the appointment, I use a lot of humor because that's a coping mechanism that I have because I was very nervous. So when I'm nervous, I tend to try and be use humor to deflect it. So I had the medical assistant laughing loudly because I was making comments about things. And one comment I made is when you're in the exam room, you first sit down. You don't know them. They don't know you as a new doctor. And she said, what is the reason for your visit today? And I said, I would like to get an eye exam so I can hear you better. She turned to me and said, what did you say? I said, I would like to get an eye exam so I can hear you better. She laughed so hard. We had to stop the exam because she would just said, I needed to hear that today. So all through the exam, we were laughing back and forth and and throwing jokes at each other, and it relaxed us both. And so when the doctor came in and did all the tests, he looked at my eyes and he said, I think I see your, the reason for your symptoms. Then he asked how old I was, and it turns out I have cataracts. And when I left the interview, not the interview, when I left the exam, he said, you don't have glaucoma, you don't have macular degeneration, which runs in my family, so I was nervous. You don't have anything wrong with the inside of your eye. You just have a cloudy lens, and we're going to give it a year and come back and look at it after that, and hopefully with your glasses, you, we can correct you to 2020 and take away some of those symptoms temporarily. So that was the resolution to all my problems. But I was still having a little anxiety after that. You would think that everything would go away, but no, anxiety is one of those persistent neighbors that doesn't seem to get the drift that you want them to vacate your life. So the next night, now I'm worrying about the glasses appointment. So I moved from one thing to another and, and do I want to worry about this or do I want to let it go? And as God is my witness, one night I was woke up early again and I pulled up my Facebook and I sometimes listen to Joyce Meyer just for encouragement. And this quote came up on my social media from Joyce Meyer. It says, turn your situation over to God because he can do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime. And I thought about that. And that just really resonated with me is God can heal my cataracts. He could take this away if, if he wished. He could go ahead and do that in a flash. And it's true. So looking at things in perspective, that puts it in perspective what I've been worrying for for weeks on end, God is taking care of me. He got me to the doctor. The doctor gave me the resolution. I'm going to get glasses, which I did. And that should be good. But then when I got the glasses, those of you that wear progressive lenses, bless you because I told the optician that I had worn them before, not knowing that I had worn bifocals. And so I'm there getting fitted for the glasses, and they say, oh, I said, my vision's awesome. 
And I get up to walk out of the mall, and I notice when I look down, everything's blurry. When I look forward, everything is in somewhat focus. When I look over the glasses, then everything far away is in focus. Then I look down, which my eyes were trained to look down, because for seven years that was where I was getting my best vision. I couldn't see anything, and then I was still getting some of the glare from the headlights. So I'm like, I am back in square one. So guess who came back? The unwanted neighbor, the anxiety, came back. Now this is not going to be fixed. Now I paid for all these glasses, and I was back down anxiety road again, which I didn't want to go down. And I was fixated for weeks on my vision. See, I'm getting bad vision. I can't see the street sign. Now I can see it. No, I can't. No, I can't see the headlight in front of me. And I became afraid to drive at night. So there again, there is anxiety again. And what happened to my peace? It went peace. It went out the window. It went out the window like, I'm peaceful. Now throw it all out the window and be anxiety ridden again. And I went back to the eye exam place, and, and they said again, Oh, Mr. Horton, we seem to have failed to tell you that it takes up to two to three weeks or more for you to get used to your glasses. And so what you need to do is continue to use your glasses. And they gave me some more explanation on what the vision field looks like. And so I trying to wear the glasses, and I was this close to try and go back to my old prescription, and I go, no, why did you go to the doctor? If you would, could see with your regular prescription, you wouldn't have needed to go to the doctor. So there I am worrying about that again. I'm a really good worrier, as you can tell. So day upon day, I tried to improve things and I was praying one night when I woke up again at three o'clock in the morning Lord what do I do about that so I I did the thing that I knew to do is and the Bible says you know lay your hands upon the things that need to be healed and so I laid my own hands upon my eyes and I said God these are your eyes please take care of them what am I supposed to do? And I, I waited quietly, and I heard the little tick-tock of the clock and everything, and then the most simple answer came to me somehow. It was said, relax. Nothing else. And, of course, in my faith, being full of faith, I said, what do you mean? Now it makes me laugh. I go, what do you mean? And God, well, of course, God said, relax. Relax your eyes. Don't focus on your vision. Focus on my promises and worship me and see what happens in two to three weeks. Then I thought, it can't be that simple. Canon. So that's where I am right now. Maybe about up to two weeks ago, I got the glasses and I'm noticing small improvements about how I see. Somehow my brain is training itself to look in different parts of the glasses 
to see things and things there's some struggle too but it's getting a lot better the glare is a lot better so i'm noticing hey these may work and then some of my friends always said well you know you need to let jesus take the wheel that song by carrie underwood 2005 or so you need to let jesus take the wheel so i thought maybe if i take a look a little bit at what those lyrics say, I will understand it more. And I did it just before I was recording this podcast, and there again, I just, Niagara Falls again, and I started bawling. Through the whole song, I was bawling. I was at church this morning, I was bawling over that, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting healed from all this stuff. But when you look at the lyrics of Jesus Take the Wheel, it's very interesting, and it's. I'll, I'll just read you verse 1. It says, She was driving last Friday on the way to Cincinnati on a snow-white Christmas Eve, going home to see her mama and her daddy with the baby in the back seat. Fifty miles to go, and she was running low. I can relate to that. On faith and gasoline. It's been a long, hard year. She has a lot on her mind, and she didn't pay attention. She was going way too fast. Before she knew it, she was spinning on a thin black sheet of glass. She saw both their lives flash before their eyes, and pardon me if I start getting emotional when I read that. That's exactly how I felt for the last week, and it consumed everything I was thinking about. I was not a very nice person because I was thinking about my eyes. I was thinking, what's going to happen? And I became not very nice sometimes as my friends and family know. And so she didn't even have time to cry. She was so scared, she threw her hands in the air and said, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands, because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go. So give me one more chance. Save me from this road I'm on. Jesus, take the wheel. I'm almost starting to cry. Because moments before I pressed record on this podcast, I was bawling my eyes out, and I call it Niagara Falls, because that was me, and I think about the crying baby, thinking about the baby that in this song was sleeping through the whole thing, and spinning out of control, and she didn't know how to control the car, and she just gave up to Jesus. But that was the turning point because she spun out, but she didn't have an accident, or she didn't, things weren't worse. She got to the side of the road, and, and I won't read the whole song, because you probably know it, it's from Carrie Underwood, released in 2005. So it means when you, you just give up. And you know, one night when I was praying, I said, I just give you my eyesight. I give up. I give up. Somehow I got this piece. Somehow. 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 And I'll say it again. Somehow I got this piece. And I started noticing, hey, I can see better. Looking at a computer screen, I can see that way better than I could before. So, hmm. Where the glare from that light is not like it was. So the, the treatment they put on the glasses is 
better. Progressively, I was noticing this. And then I thought, well, why not just do the novel idea and stop worrying about it and giving thanks to God that you got it looked at and he'll take care of me financially because it was a little bit of a hit to see the specialist. But that was more important than anything else. And then today comes on my Sunday worship day and I attend church and they're, lo and behold, discussing Ephesians chapter 6, which, as you know, if you've read that chapter a lot, it's the armor of God chapter. And we, we talked about the last section of it, which was from verse 10 to, uh, let me see here, it's verse 10 through 16, I think. And let me pull it up on my notes here so I can see it. And it says, get this. So I'm sitting in church, and you ever have those times when the sermon is going on and you feel like all they've done is put their name and removed your name from it because your name should be in there because everything that's going on is talking about you. This is what I felt like today. And, of course, I started bawling again. So that that must be going without saying now that, um, hey, this is important. So Kevin's going to start to bawl and cry. So here is the verses themselves. And this is from the NIV version. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all the... God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. That's important to stop there for a second and think about that. After the battle, you will still be standing. It doesn't say to me that it's going to be an easy battle or that I'm not going to get bruises or bumps or smackdown or what or whatever you want to think. It just means that stand your ground because after the battle, you'll still be standing if you do these things right. Then verse 14 says, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And our pastor today, Pastor Michelle Buck, stopped there and says, do you notice that it doesn't, doesn't say just darts or arrows? It says fiery arrows. That's the difference. Fiery arrows. Those burn. Those hurt. Verse 17, put on the salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. 
and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly as I should. And then I'm sitting there, and I realize this sermon is about me. This sermon is about the whole situation that I've just been going through. And I was noticing today at church, I sat in the very back or very back row, and for the first time in a long time, I could look and see the words on the worship screen from sitting way back there, and it wasn't too difficult to see. And I was thinking, boy, I did need that prescription. So maybe these glasses are working. And then I would focus on what the pastor was standing there, and I could see her really well. And I thought, maybe I need the glasses. And so my story today is, maybe you're just like me. Maybe you're muddling through this life trying to find the answer and waking up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning trying to figure out the answer. What I've realized in this situation is the best thing I can do is nothing but worship and praise my Savior. And somehow... He will help me through everything, and he will make a difference, and I will come out okay. So hopefully my story today has helped you, and believe me, there's a lot more for this season of Breathe, Faith, and Creativity podcast coming up, and I'm going to be working on several other interviews, and I know Christian will, and I know that Derek will, but one of the main themes we talked about in season one, season two, season three, and, and beyond is mental health. So I just wanted to give you a little snapshot of some of how I'm dealing with my mental health because I want to be an encouragement to you and hopefully this story of mine, which is a true story because I just lived it, to know that even the hosts on the Breathe, Faith, and Creativity podcasts are not perfect. We're like persistent children sometimes were okay i won't worry about that again boom i'm worrying about it again or i won't do that again boom i'm doing that again and and we picture god in heaven going oh my goodness when will these people learn not to do that but it also says in the bible he's full of grace and i don't know how he does it but he lovingly directs me every time that I ask them. And thank you for joining me on this journey because it's very cathartic for me to tell this story. And believe me, when this episode comes out, I'll be listening to it and go, wow, 